Our scripture reading this morning before our lesson will be Luke 6, 43 through 45, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Good morning. Blessing to be here on the first day of the week, the day in which Christ rose from the dead. We gather on this day to study God's word, to worship him in spirit and in truth. I pray this morning this message will be edifying to you. In the month of December and throughout January, I've been focused on lessons that encourage us to grow and to become and to behave as mature Christians. This morning, I want to look at the subject of changing our hearts. And a lot of these were, have been specifically focused, these specific lessons. And this one, I think, is where our aim should be. That we need to be changing from the inside our convictions, our mindset. And we're going to look at a few scriptures about that this morning. Uh, Mark read for us from Luke chapter 6 and the words of Christ. And Jesus talks about a tree. And you can know a tree by its fruit. And you can know it by the treasure that's produced from its heart. We look at Jesus and we listen to his words. We hear him in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want a pure heart. I want a heart that is clean and, de and completely devoted to God. I want it to be pure. I don't want evil there. We're going to look at a number of passages there that teach us what can happen and be in the heart. I ask you this morning, do you have a pure heart? The aim of ministry and the gospel is this, as Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 5, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So as we think about that, I ask you another question. Do people usually think that our own hearts are good? They do, don't they? Most people today, if you were to go around and you were to just survey people you know in the world, maybe they're faithful to Christ or not, maybe they have no faith or not, and you talk to them and you ask them, do you have a good heart? Most of them would say, yes, I definitely have a good heart. I had a few who have actually have asked, who'd say, I don't even have a heart. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that concept. I thought that was kind of strange. But most of us, we believe in this. It's in the Bible. It's a biblical concept. And we need to know what the definition of the heart is so that it can be pure. And we're going to look more into that. So what is the heart? The heart in the Bible is the inner place of thought and emotions. And I take that from uh, the Greek dictionary by Gingrich and Danker. And it makes it very clear. This is a place where thoughts and emotions, and we see this in the scriptures as the Bible itself defines us and tells us what the heart is. So one thing we see in the heart is that sorrow comes in the heart. Emotions are expressed in the heart. I think that's very clear. And I have a number, a few verses right there for you to look. And John 16 and verse 6, and Romans 9 and verse 2. And then the very concept, you hear someone talking about having their heart broken, breaking the heart. Well, that's been around for at least 2,000 years. It was in the Scriptures and in the New Testament. It's there in the original Greek, breaking of the heart. When Paul talks about the number of people who warned him and pleaded with him, don't go to Jerusalem, you're going to be arrested. And he said that they were breaking his heart. And we still speak about that today, the idea of having a heart that's broken. On the other hand, there's a number of scriptures, 
And a lot of them have to do with Jesus knowing the hearts and the thoughts and the reasonings of people. So the deepest convictions and reasonings also come from the heart, from within. And if you want to look at that, you know, there's a number of passages there. Mark chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Jesus, it says that he knows the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Furthermore, we're concerned about the heart as we looked at a number of passages over the last few weeks. Ephesians chapter 4 is an example of one. But I think of another now that comes to mind in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. Again, Jesus talks about heart, the heart. And he talks about lust coming from the heart, coveting coming from a heart for when a man looks at another man's wife. That lust is in the heart. So when we're talking about a pure heart, we want a heart that has right intentions and convictions. The, the place where we have God's word placed in our heart. In our study of the Holy Spirit we've been going through, which we'll be finishing tonight, we've been looking about how the Spirit is to transform us. It's the mission of the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts through the truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. And here we can look and see that our hearts need to be made pure, and it's done so through God's Word. So our heart needs to reason on this. It needs to feel it. We need to have passion for what we believe in, a deep conviction that will hold us true. And in the face of sin and temptation, or in this case, lust or coveting, we will stand true because God's Word is on our heart. I find it fascinating as well. The word for heart in the Bible, the Greek word is cardia. As you think about the heart, there it is. That heart within us, emotion and reason, deepest convictions, and even a place of darkness and sin, it needs to change and become pure. In fact, our faith is supposed to come from the heart. It's supposed to be a great conviction. Some people today will say, yeah, I believe. I believe in God. I believe there's something out there. And they say it kind of nonchalant. They don't, don't really think about it. But our faith in Jesus Christ, it comes from the heart. In Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10, the Apostle Paul talks about this and how important it is to have faith in the heart and that it's essential for our salvation. He says, but what does it say? The word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. And we're going to look at some passages today that talk about you can know someone's heart, not only by their fruit, but what comes out of their mouth. He says, that is the word of faith that we proclaim. The word is there. It's near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. He says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and very fundamental to the Christian faith, if you do not believe that Jesus rose from the dead, I don't believe that you can claim yourself to be a Christian. You don't have a saving faith. And here in the scriptures, we see this. You confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And that's what we teach as a part of the plan of salvation. You've got to hear the gospel. You've got to believe it. You've got to confess it. And then you've got to repent and be baptized, becoming a Christian and living a faithful life. We see the beginning of that right here. In the instance of Lydia and her household, we read about her conversion in Acts chapter 16 and verse 14. And it says there when Paul taught her that the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul said. We want to have an open heart this morning. I want to hear God's word. I want to know the truth of it. I want it to convict me and to change me. I want my faith to be deep and sincere. I want a pure heart. We look at this. There's a number of scriptures that should encourage us in that. I think another thing we need to keep in our mind this morning is that God knows our hearts. Last week we 
We did an exposition of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And one of the points that Paul makes right there is this. Paul says that God knows the purposes of our heart. In fact, here, let's read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness, and will disclose the purposes of the heart, and then each one will receive his commendation from God. God knows the heart. He's going to judge the heart. And in that case, you remember last week, Paul was saying, I don't judge myself, and I don't hear the judgment of others. My conscience is before God, and I stand before Him. And I can't judge someone on hidden things or on secret things. But in the last day, God knows the intentions of the heart. He will judge. We also read this in Romans 2. Or do not presume on the riches and the kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed, and he will render to each one according to his works. Then again, the importance of the heart, the heart that produces works and fruit. And yet, we have a picture of a heart here that it's hard and impenitent. In our Sunday morning Bible studies, we read recently from Mark chapter 7 and studied it. And this is what we saw. And this is another reason why Christians need to concern themselves with their heart. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 7. What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts. The thoughts that come out of the heart of men. Evil comes out of those hearts. And he gives a list here, sexual morality, that's fornication, sex outside of marriage, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, which is lewdness and lasciviousness, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. And this is what Christ says again, all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. When Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, He's talking about those who have purified themselves from these things right here that we read about. A person who looks inside and says, do I have foolishness and pride? Do I live in slander? Is my life full of bitterness and envy? And is that why I'm speaking? Is that what's coming out of me? Is my mind constantly on sensuality and lewdness and profane and evil things and wicked things and deceit? I'm always thinking about how I could lie. I'm always coveting and desiring what the person next to me has I'm always thinking about adultery. Is there murder and hatred in my heart? Is there theft and resentment toward others? Is there fornication? Jesus would tell us to become pure of that. And I think looking at this passage, it drives home to me how much the world needs a Savior because the world has that in the heart and Christ came to save us and remove those things and to make us pure. We want a pure heart. How do you give there? How how have people gotten to the point of having an evil and a wicked heart? And the Scriptures tell us. Romans chapter 1 gives us lots of details about those who are among the nations, those in the world, and what has happened to them. How does such evil come from the heart? Paul said this in Romans 1 and verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God and give thanks to Him, and they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. I've said this a number of times repeatedly, but here you kind of have what happens to someone so that they become an atheist or they become an unbeliever. It's quite clear this is what happens when you become an atheist. You stop honoring God. You stop recognizing Him. You stop thanking Him. You stop glorifying Him. And you remove Him from your thinking. You become an atheist. 
And someone might say, well, I still believe in God, but and they, maybe they're in sin and they haven't thought about him, they haven't glorified him, they haven't worshipped him. They're not here on Sunday morning where they should be. They're still living an atheistic and secular life. And the Scriptures warn us right here, and I think this is something we should apply to the assembly, why it's so important we read Scripture, we pray, while we worship, while we admire and thank our God in heaven, while we gather together on the first day of the week. Hebrews chapter 10 says we must do that. It's a command from God, and it's one that exhorts us that we stir one another to love and good works. And so doing, he, he says in verse 26 of Hebrews chapter 10, if you continue to willfully sin, there's no longer a sacrifice for your sins. You are lost. Let that be a warning this morning of how important it is that we assemble and gather together, that we not forget our Creator and we worship Him. Paul goes on here in Romans chapter 1, and he gives more details about this, and I encourage you to read Romans 1 in all of completeness in that chapter. But listen to what he says here in verses 24 to 25. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts. Because they forgot God and they didn't honor Him and they didn't thank Him, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, so we got Jesus talking about blessed are the pure in heart. Here are the impure in heart. They follow their lusts. They follow their desires. I'm not just talking about sexual sins here. This one's tied into homosexuality. But if you continue reading in Romans, there's a whole list of sins there at the end of it. And therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. People can worship their televisions. They can worship people. They worship entertainment. They can worship sports and recreation. They can worship the creature rather than the creator. And we look at our lives, we can say that. Am I focused on God? Is my heart there? Is that what I'm committed to? Or am I always thinking about something else, someone else, something else in creation other than my Creator? See, our hearts can become deceived, and the Bible warns us over and over again, do not have your hearts. Don't let it be deceived. A lot of times, whether in Disney movies or in TV, sometimes in songs, I've heard it on the radio, you hear the statement, follow your heart, right? Well, if God's Word is on your heart, and that's what you're following from your heart, then yes. But otherwise, many people, when they say follow their heart, that's not what they mean. They mean, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and I feel like doing it, and I'm going to do it. But following God's Word in your heart, good thing, but in the same, the Scriptures warn us that you can deceive your heart. James 1 and verse 26 says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, you can deceive your heart. You can lead your own self astray. He says this person's religion is worthless. In fact, false teachers, t preachers, can lead your heart astray if they do not teach from God's Word. And there's a lot of them out there. You can turn on your TV and see them. Romans chapter 16, 17, 18, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. So it's not just false teachers. It can be anybody who's doing these things. Avoid them, Paul says. Avoid these individuals. For such persons do not deserve our Lord Christ. By their own appetites and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Don't be that naive. Don't be deceived by flattery and smooth talk. I encourage you this morning, as we look to having a pure heart, I want to direct you now to our exposition. If you have your Bible, turn over with me to James chapter 3, and we're looking at verses 13 through 18. A few weeks ago, we read from... James chapter 4, and we studied it, and we looked at it, and how it addresses anger, sinful anger and resentment. 
right before you really get down to the root and the cause of those kinds of sins. And here it is in James chapter 3. Look with me in verses 13 through 18. James says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. I'm going to read that verse again. James 3 and 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, and then peaceable and gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good works, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. There's a lot of things that stand out to me in this passage. One of them that stands out to me are the, the two words here. And for selfish ambition is one Greek word, and the other one is actually consisted of two words when it says jealousy there. It means evil zeal, evil desire. And deep within, a lot of people who do wickedness and evil, and whether it might be in our hearts as well, it says there that every vile practice, everything that's evil, it comes out of envy, it comes out of jealousy, it comes out of that evil desire, and it comes out of selfish ambition, where I'm going to do what I desire, I'm going to keep my expectations, and if you get in the way, I'm going to look down upon you and speak against you. This is what we can observe in James chapter 3. Good conduct presents the meekness of wisdom. You can see someone by their conduct and behavior, their wisdom. I look around in this congregation and I can see certain individuals who demonstrate meekness and you can see it in their conduct and the way they behave. Second thing here is boasting in an untruth demonstrate envy and selfish ambition is in the heart. If you boast, if you tell lies, if you speak against God's word, envy and selfishness exist in that heart. That envy and selfishness, that resentment and selfish ambition produces disorder in every vile evil practice. The counseling class I just finished last fall, one of the premises was is that everybody has some basic psychological needs or spiritual needs. And that is they need love and they need self-worth. And if you look in the scriptures, God gives those completely. God values you. He gives you all love. He gives you unconditional love like nobody else gives you. The reason, the way that we can counter sins like this, disorder and every vile passion, is to put that goodness in our, in our hearts. We want God's love there. We want a worth that only comes from Him, that we are humble before our Almighty God, that He cares about us so much and He's provided for us. When those things in your heart, and, and as we studied before, we looked in Ephesians 4 before, had a detailed study on it, that throughout Ephesians 4, you have these evil things in the heart that you remove and you do what with them? You replace them with something good. The thief replaces stealing with labor and providing for others who are in need. And whatever it is that we struggle with, whatever sins we struggle with, we can go back and find it comes back to selfish ambition and envy every time. And we want to address that in our heart. And we can remove that Put the love of Christ in our heart. and Put the value that only comes from our Creator that we have an eternal purpose to serve Him. We also see here in James chapter 3 as he's talking about wisdom that's from above. Wisdom from God is first pure. 
That's the wisdom we want to guide us and to lead us. And we see so much more in that passage. Those who have such wisdom, they produce a harvest of righteousness. They do right things, and you can see it. Sometimes we have selfish distractions. I encourage you this morning, as we're examining ourselves before we, we finish, consider these questions. Does envy come from a selfish desire for security apart from God? I think that it does. I think when people are envious and resentful, when um, they want to put other people down, they want to boast themselves up, be more significant, it's because they feel insecure. It's a selfish desire that they want to boast themselves up. The other question here, does selfish ambition come from a desire for significance apart from God? And I think so. We try to find importance and purpose in our life separate from God. There's a problem there. Our purpose in life is to serve Jesus, to serve God, to take the love he's given to us and give it to others. That's what we see. Does claiming God wants you to prosper and excel and be happy allow someone to establish selfish ambitions? When I see this, I see a lot of people say, I think God wants me to do this. You don't know what God has for you tomorrow. You may not make it. And then they will take that and say, God wants me to be happy, and so I'm going to do this with my life. Selfish ambition. Envy. You hear people say, I'm going to claim victory. Where do you read that? God gives you love and joy and peace and patience and all the fruits of the Spirit, and you can have them, and they're wonderful, but they're all embedded in Him, not in your own ambition. I encourage you this morning to purify your hearts. James, the brother of Jesus, exhorted Christians, do not quarrel. He goes on from here and he says, stop coveting, stop desiring other things and falling after your own passions. Follow God. And listen to what he says here in James 4 and verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God. If you want to become closer to God, become closer to him and God will become closer to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Notice the thinking there. Have a pure heart. Not one that's committed to mammon and God, but solely committed to him. And look to the intent of the heart. I remind you this morning of Simon the sorcerer. Remember in Acts chapter 8, when the apostles went down, John and Peter, to lay hands on those who had been baptized so that they would receive miraculous gifts from the Holy Spirit and be able to do those wonderful works. Simon sees that and he offers money to the apostles. He tries to buy it. He tries to buy that gift. And this is what Peter says to him. He says, but Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God. What do you do when your heart's not right before God? Listen to Peter. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. You ever prayed for God to forgive the intent of your heart? I think we look at the example of Simon there, what his agenda was for attention and significance. He sought it in this. He tried to offer money for it. And yet Peter says the answer here is that you repent and that you pray to God to forgive you of your sins. As Christians, we have that blessing. We can repent and turn to God and pray, and he will forgive us. Listen to Jesus. Luke chapter 6, verse 45, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Christ says this in Matthew chapter 12, 35 to 37, the good person out of the good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, 
People will give an account for every careless word they speak. You're going to give an account. We are going to give an account for every careless word that we speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. I challenge you. Focus your heart upon Christ. As the church, this is what we do. We are centered on Him. We want our hearts to be changed, our most basic motivations and convictions to be focused on Him. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your treasure? Love God from the heart. Put God's law in the heart. Hebrews 10, 16 says that's what Christians do. Obey God from the heart. Obey the gospel, Romans chapter 6 and verse 17. It's the only way you can obey the great invitation. This morning, if you have faith in your heart and you believe and you can confess it and you have repented of your sins, your heart has changed. You can put on Christ in baptism, become a new creature in Jesus Christ, become a Christian, and live faithfully. Listen to what Jesus said here in Matthew 11, known as the great invitation. He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you believe that this morning and you accept the invitation of Jesus, we encourage you to come forward. If you need prayers, you need to obey the gospel, you need encouragement, please come right now while we stand and while we sing.